I invited Shane Bishop, pastor of Christ Church, to join me on the podcast today to talk about prayer and the importance for church leaders and ministry leaders and Christians in general to trust God's Spirit at work through our prayer lives in order to know what steps to take during this time. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to the Tim Price Go Harvest podcast, a podcast designed to offer practical insight and encouragement to local church ministry leaders. Before we turn things over to Tim, I want to invite you to take a moment to subscribe and rate this podcast. It's a huge gift to us as we continue to reach more people. We give God all the glory and look forward to having you join us on today's episode. So how you doing, Shane? I'm really, really well. Good to, good to have you. I thought I'd just take a minute before we jump into this topic of this focus today on prayer. Just thought I'd ask you to introduce yourself and anything you're just learning these days, just in general about ministry that might be helpful to other ministry leaders that are serving in the trenches. Yeah, I'm Shane Bishop, senior pastor at Christ Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois. And you talk about learning in the trenches. This pandemic, of course, has been unprecedented in my lifetime. And as, as we've all sort of had to navigate it through all kinds of, of stressors and all kinds of factors and everybody telling us what to do, you know, one of the things that, that's been very important to me is, is just who do you listen to? There are little V voices everywhere. I mean, we live in Illinois. I mean, they're, they're telling you what to do all the time. I mean, that's why people get into political office, because they want to tell people what to do. And who, who do you listen to? And for me, Tim, this has just been a, an exercise over the last year of just getting back to my prayer life. It's getting back to a simple process of learning to hear God. So often we, we operate by my principles and, and methodology, and I'm probably the worst at it in terms of coming up with systems and all those things. I've been talking about that for 20 years, but in the last year, I've just had to learn to pray again. Hmm, that is awesome. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's what I um, got you on this podcast for today was the other day you tweeted something I thought was pretty interesting. And maybe it's because I haven't always enjoyed reading, but in the last four or five years, I've read a lot more just yeah. based on a challenge and then based on just the, the effects of it and, and the good. But I think you're right. I mean, that, that kind of sums it up. I mean, intimacy with God is what is going to be the thing that drives everything more than trying to have influence through strategy or whatever other means. All those things are a result of that, I guess. But anyway, you tweeted the other day, you said, most readers, you, most leaders, you know, read a ton. People always say, read more, read more, read more, learn yeah. more, learn more. And the thing that you see most leaders do is read a lot, but maybe what they need to do more of is pray. Like that's the, that's the hard part to, to find time for. So I just thought I'd ask, how do you encourage leaders to pray more? Like, what does that look like? You know, I, I've sort of simplified. I, I'm kind of a simplified kind of guy, but what does it mean to hear God? And what does it mean to obey God? Uh, we, we use the language pings, uh, a P-I-N-G, a ping. A ping is a God prompting. It's one of those things that you just 
it just hits you. And, and, and it, it's a prompting from God. And around here, one of the things we talk a lot about is, is hearing a ping, getting an ear for a ping, and then heeding the ping. Mm -hmm. So in church world, now I'm talking to a lot of pastors right now. I'll probably shoot a video actually today because a lot of churches haven't been open in almost a year. And the longer you stay closed, the harder it is to get open. A lot of people haven't been to church live in a year. And the larger, the longer they stay away from church, the harder it's going to be to get back. So, so many pastors are trying to think through all of this. You know, when do we open? How do we know when to open? And, and Christians are thinking, when do we go back? How do we know when to go back? And one of the things I talk a lot about these days is just, why don't you just pray about it? Why don't you just spend some time in prayer? So That's often true. prayer is, is what opens our meetings and closes our meetings if someone thinks of it. Uh, churches pray. But my question is, do we really pray? And if we were ever going to start, wouldn't it be a time that we need to collectively and clearly hear God? If we're going to pray, if we're going to fast, if we're going to get serious about hearing God, it would seem, it would behoove us to crack at it right now. These are times when everything we know is probably wrong, when everything that leads us into the future is still unsettled, we really need to hear the voice of God. Yep, man, that's, that's huge. That's, that's awesome. Um, so what, what percentage of prayer you know, you just mentioned the idea of pray before a meeting, pray after if you think of it. And uh, I guess you don't want to negate the fact there's a discipline in there. But what percentage of prayer is habit or discipline or, you know, logistical calendar type stuff? And, and which part versus this might be a good question, but like, how, how do you not just make it a habit or discipline? Or how much do you need of that to keep praying versus just faith, desperation, just crying out? Like, yeah, it. it I think in a leadership model, one of the things we've got to be telling our leaders to do is you need to pray before you get here. You know, we can't spend 90% of all our staff meetings in prayer because we're still going to have to deal with some stuff. But I'm really pushing on what does it mean when Paul talks about praying without ceasing, living in a, in a climate of prayer. And for me, it's just tuning our hearts to God. I grew up on the athletic side of things. And, and one thing all athletes can relate to is no matter how loud the gym is, you're always going to be able to hear your coach. And it's not because your coach is the loudest. I mean, some of them may be, but you don't hear your coach because you're the loudest. You hear your coach because your ear is tuned to that voice. Jesus said, my, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. What does it mean to live with your ear tuned to the Holy Spirit? What, what does it mean to, to live with a consciousness of God being all around us, as opposed to a light switch that we just kind of kick on to kick off a meeting, or it's that time of day when we normally pray, pray we kick that on. 
So I'm not negating the discipline of prayer. I, I think it's absolutely essential. But I am saying if we can invite ourselves into a lifestyle of prayer, living just a little closer to God, then when we do get to the meetings, uh, we'll have something more to bring to the table than just uh, ticking off baptized leadership stuff. And that is really what I'm pushing on right now. You know, I've always read a lot. I probably read less than I used to because of blogs. I used to actually read books. And the thing about books is you, you, you have to marinate in a book. But blogs, blogs you, you spend three minutes on and you don't get to marinate in it. And so I read a gazillion blogs. I need to start reading more books again. And maybe what I do need to do is read a blog that's good and then read the person's book. But the reality is, I don't think that there are these cut and paste, how to grow your church things that work like they did 15 years ago. Yeah. I, in fact, I'm not even sure there is a clear template. I think every pastor, every church, every individual, every situation, we're going to have to learn how to hear God. Yeah, that's, that is, that's so true. So do you pray before meetings at your church? Yeah, we pray before meetings. We, we also encourage prayer outside of formal structures. Yeah, that, that is good. But we have blocked off. I would say if, you're, if you think percentage, we clearly pray more in meetings than, than we used to. I mean, we mm -hmm. do. And prayer, I think, is, is becoming more a part of our discipline. That's good. And, you know, it used to be you'd go to a church meeting and let's be real honest. I mean, how much Holy Spirit do you really need to decide if the carpet's going to be blue or tan? I mean, so much of the stuff churches decide, it doesn't matter no matter what they decide. You know, you sit and you argue about crap. And then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you decided. Yeah. But when it comes to missional things, when it comes to what does a church look like post-pandemic when we really need to hear God? I don't want to rely on whoever has the best publicist out there that's churning out the, the, the latest blogs and, and who gets it out there. They don't know my context. Yeah. They don't know what's happening here. I, I'm not saying that that doesn't help and that it can't inform things, but I'm not going to rely on that. I got to rely on the Lord. Yeah. So, so back to this idea of nobody has a template, like if you could project what, I mean, you know, like that is true. 15, 20 years ago, everybody went to the same conferences, read the same basic oh. leaders and, and you knew exactly sort of what steps to take to, to get some movement in your church. But for one thing, there's hardly any conferences. And if, if they are, they're all online and nobody's paying attention. So, I mean, Correct. what is the, what is the potential template of, I mean, it, it's almost back to like, New Testament church, like nobody really knows, rely on the Holy Spirit and just start going. But is there a template of some sort that people can start looking toward? Yeah, I, I think there is. I, I think, and it's a macro, not, not a micro template, but I, I think macro, we need to be thinking movement versus institution. And we need to be leaning into what does a movement of the Holy Spirit actually look like? as opposed to feeding the insatiable appetite of institutionalism. Uh, religion 
you know, every, you have a movement of God and then they organize it and it, and it goes great. Good, good things happen. And then after a while, the organization begins to exist for itself. So in a sense, you got a movement of God. So water is springing up and then somebody builds a great plumbing system. What's well, awesome. Things go really well until the water starts drying up. And then you spend your entire life maintaining the pump plumbing system. And in so many ways, institutional religion is maintaining the plumbing system that was built for a revival that no longer exists. So what we really have to do now is ask ourselves, what opportunities does a post-pandemic world offer us? If we will, my, my theory is that God always wants to bring revival to his people. We're just not paying attention. You know, KMOX, the, the, the big AM superstation in St. Louis, is always on. It's just I'm often not tuned into its frequency. I think God is always on. God is always wanting to move. If we could look at this pandemic as an opportunity to tune into God's frequency, then it becomes something redemptive. Then, then we don't end up wasting our pain. So part of it is thinking movement as opposed to institution. The second part of this for me is almost every church in America is better online than they were before the pandemic. I mean, we were good before the pandemic. We're great now. I mean, we run, I mean, before the pandemic, we ran about 2,500 a week. Uh, we're as good online as churches four times our size now. Everybody has upped their game. Even little tiny churches whose pastor records the sermon on an iPhone 3. I mean, now they're recording their sermon on an iPhone 6. I mean, every church is making progress. I, I don't think we give that back when our churches reopen and people start coming back. I think we still have to maintain that online presence because I think it is an opportunity to reach people for Jesus. But the other thing that I'm seeing is a lot of churches have given up on their people ever coming back. And, and that's not a good plan, partially because there's really not a strong, clear biblical mandate for online ministry. But there is a strong, clear biblical mandate for assembling ourselves together. And if we abandon this idea that people are going to come back to church, we just give up on it. I think we're outside of what the Bible actually told us specifically to do. So for me, as we look forward, the on-site online is going to be both and. We're going to be tempted to want it to be either or. It means church staffs are going to have to work harder. It, it, it's, it's not the greatest thing in the world if you want to get out of hard work. But I do think the online presence, in addition to what we do on site, can exponentially grow the footprint and the reach of a church. And that, for me, is exciting. Yeah. yeah I was going to mention, as you were talking, and then you kind of brought it up as far as hard work goes, but there is a little bit of sort of COVID laziness on behalf of church leaders. Like if there's an option to not do something, yeah. it's sort of like after this long, it's like the tendency is to lean that direction to yeah. not meet or to not have it or not whatever. And so cancellations and, and everything, the easy path is so easy. <laughs> Well, and, you know, you look at the shutdowns, uh, you know, in a lot of churches, it, it has become easy. And, and in some ways, if, if your personality has always struggled against actually getting out there amongst actual humans, 
You know, if deep in your heart, you think, man, do I love God. If it just wasn't for people, I'd be great in ministry. Uh, folks that think like that, this has kind of been their dream come true, man. Because in a sense, we are all uh, media outlets. And for a long time, all of our churches were closed. So we're all, uh, you know, we all became televangelists. I mean, nobody was watching, but we became televangelists. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, we've talked about that at our church that, that both both worship spots have become basically studios and all the yeah. chairs are moved and everything's shifted and it's just total focus on that. But and we have way too much space and a lot of churches that space isn't paid for mm -hmm. and we don't have people back. And I do think a lot of church staffs just have gotten, I wouldn't necessarily say lazy, but I think we've gotten out of the habit of having to work quite as hard as we used to. And, you know, I, I know in my case, Tim, when, uh, when I have to get back to working out, I mean, my entire adult life's been a, been a squabble over 15 pounds. So when I'm at the top end of that, I got to get back working out. My body never wants to do that. My body would love not ever to do that and to eat pizza every night. But when I got to get back, I'm going to, I dread it for a while. I get sore for the first two or three weeks, but at the end of the day, you get back into that rhythm and that's what church staffs are going to have to do as well. Yep. I know exactly what you're saying. And yeah, uh, the squabble. My, my streak for the month of January so far has been to every single day, walk more than 10,000 steps. That's good. And, and usually I, you know, do that naturally on a handful of days that require a lot of stuff but man you can sit down in your office and supper time you've walked four thousand steps total i mean it's unbelievable you really got to try to make that yeah i'm doing this thing now where we're doing 100 push-ups a day 100 sit-ups a day and 100 squats a day for 100 days as we start the new year and it's great except when it's 10 30 at night you have zero in and and then you're gonna have to shove on it pretty hard and, and the other thing is I find push-ups and sit-ups to be pretty easy because I've been doing them my whole life. But now that I'm an old dude, man, my legs are weak. Those squats destroy me. So there's some things I enjoy doing and kind of kick back. Other things are a lot more difficult. And it's going to be the same with church staffs and pastors as we get back. I mean, some of the things that are going to be really nice. Uh, other things are going to be a little more difficult. And the other thing I would say, Tim, is I think all of us need to think through what were we doing before? It was just a stinking waste of time. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just that's how were we wasting time? How were we wasting money? I mean, maybe before, if you're doing something like this, I drive to where you are. You, you know, there, there's there's gas, there's there's meals, there's a huge outlay of time. This is actually highly, highly efficient. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that we're, we're going to be able to do better now than we did before. So that's a part of that process too. What did, were we doing before that we want to stop? What are we doing now that we want to keep? Because there's this idea that we're going to go, we want to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. Well, let's be real honest. Most churches were in decline before. Why would you want to go back to that? Why would you want to go back to being utterly dysfunctional and in decline? I don't want to go back to that. And not only that, back is the one place we can never go. It isn't there anymore. Yep. So your church in 2018 isn't there anymore, any more than it 
is there in 2058 or 1958, we have to go forward. So the question becomes, how do we best do that in a way that honors God and fulfills our mission? Yeah. So that, I mean, all that you've said right there, that that's what requires pastors and leaders and church people to pray. I mean, like, how are we going to know what steps to take to go that way? And how are we going to be free from trying to get back to what was? And I mean, just all those things that are so human nature. I mean, that's going to require prayer. Yeah, we're just four blog articles away from domination. I just don't think it's going to happen, man. (laughs) That's true. Well, here's here's another question for you that you may have already answered in all these conversations so far, but what are some of the ways that you pray more? As a, as a busy pastor leading the everyday. Yeah. One of the things for, the, for me during the pandemic is that like everybody else, I just had an opportunity to reevaluate my life, what's important to me, what isn't as important to me. And one of the things I just got looking at is I need to lean more into my family. I, I've got adult children. I've got grandchildren. I've always had them as a part of my life and I love them, but I don't know that I had a disciplined time that I actually just prayed for them. I think as this pandemic's gone on, I've developed a little bit more of what they used to call a prayer list. I just have things that I regularly hit. And what I got finding was that, you know, I would say that, you know, we're praying about that. I don't know how much time we actually spent doing that. That's true. And, and a lot of times we tell people, you know, well, I'll be praying for you. Well, I mean, seriously, how much time are you really spending on that? You're knocking that out in about three and a half seconds, because if I'm betting, that's where my money's going. Three and a half seconds is our over under. So one of the things is I've been creating uh, more of a disciplined prayer life, more of a disciplined prayer list. And making sure that that's really nice and wide. And I'm not just praying about the crises du jour. And I'm not just praying about whatever is, is, you know, most on my mind. But the discipline of that, I think, has made a huge, huge difference. And the other thing is just the knowledge that I'm the senior pastor of a unique congregation who's had a wonderful past and, and a celebrated past. But I feel a little bit like they did, I don't know if you remember the movie Titanic, which was really one of the true disappointments of my life watching that movie. But uh, there was a great line on it when they were describing the ship's captain uh, who ran into the iceberg. They said he'd been a captain for decades, but because of technology, all of a sudden, everything he knew was wrong. There's a piece of me that says the greatest obstacle to my future success as a pastor it is my past success. I cannot fall in love with that because the world has changed. Things have changed. The gospel doesn't change, but certainly the environment in which we're doing ministry has changed. And for me, that has very much driven me to my knees. Man, that is good. That, that, that speaks to me just leading everybody leads a unique ministry. Everybody's in a unique thing. And so the fact that you can, uh, and then sometimes, you know, looking back, you even wonder how in the world did you get to this spot anyway? I mean, like you yeah. just can't believe it. And then you 
have to rely on. I mean, yeah, all the, all that resonates. If you just try to keep that ball rolling, that may not be where God's leading. It might be something altogether new. One of the things I pray about these days, Tim, which is kind of odd sounding, but I, I pray that, that God would, would give me the big stuff. A lot of times we pray about the little stuff. And, and, and for me, the big stuff is where I really need to hear God on. Because if you hear God on the big stuff, even if you get the little stuff wrong, it doesn't really matter. I had a phone call from a pastor two or three weeks ago. They had a, a run of COVID in, in one of their departments. You know, they're trying to decide whether or not to hold church on Sunday or go exclusively online. And they, they, they were really upset about it. I said, here's the deal, dude. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I mean, either hold church or not. Either do it online or live. It just doesn't matter. I said, just make a decision and live with it. So for me, part of what I pray about is that God would enable me to make decisions on the big things, because unless we do that, then all the little things are crises. So we decided in July, God prompted us to reopen Christ Church. So we have been open since July. And because we decided the big thing, we're going to stay open, then every little thing doesn't precipitate a new crisis. Every time the governor talks isn't a crisis. Every time we hear what we should be doing isn't a crisis. Every COVID report isn't a crisis. So I'm trusting God to give us macro direction, to help us answer the big questions. And then the little ones, we want to get those right, but they don't matter nearly as much as getting the big ones right. Yeah, that's, that's good. One last question that as we wind down here and, um, I, uh, this could be something fresh and new, or it could be something that after talking about all this past, something that you've experienced, but what is an inspiring story from prayer that you have experienced in your church or life that you could just share with people? One of the inspirational things for me, and I'm just talking about as we, as a church, I, I I'm calling it rebooting. You know, I think every church is in a process of rebooting right now. And one of the real concerns for me is, is over the years, Christ Church has just been an evangelistic machine. We have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to Jesus. My, my heart's in evangelism, and I just love to see people come to Jesus. I always say to grow a church, you only got to do three things. You got to make new Christians. You got to turn them into disciples. You got to send them out to make new Christians. Simple, simple, simple. So, I've just been praying about that reboot because during the pandemic, we just didn't, we weren't seeing people come to Jesus. We just weren't. I was not seeing professions of faith. We weren't baptizing people. I think we did okay making disciples because I think uh, online is a good platform for dissemination of content. Yeah. I just don't think it's a good platform for transformation. And we were not seeing people come to Jesus. And we just started praying about that. Lord, we got every excuse in the world as to why nobody's coming to Jesus. Uh, we don't want to buy any of those. We just want to pray that you would just reboot this church. Give us vision and hearts for evangelism. Show us how to do this now. And, and we just pray that, that you would just be glorious in our midst. So about two weeks ago, 
I'm, I'm speaking at one of our campuses on a, on a Tuesday night. It's a Bible study night. I'm usually on film. I, I went and spoke live. I get a call. They said, hey, we got a baptism. A baptism. Awesome. They said, you mind doing a baptism after Bible study? I said, I'd love to. I get another call just a little bit later. We got a second baptism. All of a sudden, I, I get the backstory on this. But somebody who had started coming to our campus during the pandemic uh, received Christ. And then they felt this ping uh, to, to let people know online that they'd been attending the campus. And they kind of shared a little testimony about what God had done in their life. One of their Facebook friends, who they didn't actually know, saw where they were attending, came to the campus. After church was over, the campus leader led him to Christ. And so that Tuesday, we baptized both the evangelist and the evangelee. And it was just this great celebration. But that's the kind of thing that we're seeing in prayer. We are praying that God is going to restore, in one sense, our church. But in another sense, we don't want to go back. We want to be better than we've ever been before. And this was a great testimony as to how God moved, frankly, in this morph situation. Because churches are going to have to have a lung and a gill right now. So both the online and the on-site work together. We saw two lives come to Jesus. And frankly, one of the lives brought another life. That's what we want to get back at. Because that doesn't smell like a musty church basement. That smells like Acts chapter 2. Yeah, that is good. That's awesome. Well, um, Shane, I'm going to invite you to pray in a moment and pray for leaders. And um, I just wanted to close out here just asking if there's anything else you'd like to say or share. It's been fun to talk to you. Thanks, man. It's good to, good to see you, too. If there's anything I was going to share with uh, church people, with church leaders, it's just this. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. I am convinced that on the other side of this pandemic, we are going to have an opportunity for evangelism the world has not seen since Paul was walking on Roman roads and sailing the Mediterranean. I believe that there is going to be an evangelistic explosion. And what I would really encourage churches to do is just get on your knees and say, God, we know you want to move. We know people are damaged. We know people are hurting. We know that there is a need out there. And people need you. And I believe, Tim, that churches who are able to, on one hand, articulate how people are feeling, and on the other hand, say, you can meet those needs through Jesus Christ, through a relationship with Christ. I think people are going to be flocking to churches that make that compelling message. We hear you. We, we know you're sick. We've got the cure. It's not institutional religion. It is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So churches, I just want to prophesy. Your best days are ahead of you and not behind you. Do not be discouraged. Get on your knees. Lean into this future because I do believe there's a future and a hope for the church. Yeah, that's good. Well, do you want to you pray for us? All these well, people man, as we've been talking about prayer, if I said no at this point, I feel like it would just sort of take us backwards. All well, the way you, you could also say, though, we have been praying this whole time. So I, I have been and, and long before. Right? <laughs> Let me hit it. Almighty God, thank you so much for the opportunity to 
to get to speak with Tim and, and to talk about important things. Because what is more important than our relationship with you and the calling that we have in the Great Commission to go and make disciples? So, dear God, I just pray that you would encourage anyone who's listening who is discouraged. I pray, dear God, that you would grant to us fresh wind and fresh fire. And I pray for a true sense of collective, spiritual, Holy Ghost imagination that would just spring up in our hearts, that we could see new ways to do really important things to connect people with you. Dear God, I pray at the end of the day that all of us would find ourselves saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, that we'd roll up our sleeves and stop our whining and just get out there and change the world. Give us inspiration by your spirit and give us the grace to live close to you because I think our best days are ahead. And I prophesy that in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate you talking today and uh, blessings on you and all you have going. All right, man. And back at you. Blessings to you. Thank you for making such an impact in so many lives over all these years, Tim. I have nothing but the greatest respect for how God has used you. Thanks. A big thanks to Shane for sharing with us. So thankful to meet up with you and talk a little bit. Just a reminder of the basics that we have to trust that God is at work. We have to take time to listen in, hear God's Holy Spirit promptings, and to be available and ready. And so I appreciate just the conversation and the inspiration and appreciate your ministry. And for everybody who is listening, a huge thanks for joining us on this podcast and for your ministry role, what you're doing day in and day out. And uh, again, as a reminder, which you already know this, if you listen to any podcast very long, the sharing and connecting and subscribing and rating, all that goes a long way. It's basically a simple, generous gift to say thanks, and it helps continue the ministry. So praying for you. Hope everything is going well. And thanks again. We'll see you next time.